everyone, and welcome again to Making Digital. My name is Jared Stevens, and I am once again joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Jeremy Carney. Say hello, Jeremy. Hello. I'm glad you said my name. Last week was so crazy. I, I had forgotten it. For those of you that don't know, we're in Texas, and we had not one, but two snowstorms last week. We lost power for most of the week. It was a very odd week. I think a lot of people are suffering from PTSD. I know people on my team are talking about, like, I just can't make sense of anything this week. My my brain is exhausted. It is bizarre. And there are people who had it much worse than us. If you feel the desire to go out and donate to some of the charities that are helping them, we highly encourage you to do that. But I agree with that sentiment. It's weird. And my brain is having trouble getting adjusted, but I'm glad that we're here recording because I feel like this is the thing that gets us back and grounded back in the world of the digital design space that we're in. Definitely. And I am also glad that I said your name because I realized the last few episodes, I haven't been saying my name at the beginning of the episode. So I don't think anybody knows who I am unless they listen all the way to the end. And that's probably just Tobin. Anyway, (laughs) yes, I hadn't even realized that. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. In thinking about this episode, we realized that we, we are what four episodes now into this podcast and, uh, we have not told you anything really about ourselves or our stories. So we thought that might be a good place for us to start today and then we'll see where that takes us. Sounds great. Great. You want to kick us off, Jeremy? The theme of today's show is imposter syndrome. And I I love this theme. It's something that I feel like we've, uh, I've lived with for a long time. I love the stories that we're going to tell because I feel like they're at very different points in our career. And yet we're still feeling the same thing. So I'm going to dive in and tell you a little bit about my journey of becoming a design director at a Fortune 100 company. And I'm going to tell you at first, I never thought that I would be a design director. And I never thought that I would be a design director at a Fortune 100 company. I love design and I love leadership, but those were just things that I never thought I would say in terms of who I am in my title. When the opportunity presented itself, I had been at this company for three years, I think. The opportunity presented itself for me to apply for one of these roles. I got into a room with people who had been in the design space for their whole careers. Some of them had gone to design schools. Some of them came out of big design shops, both agencies and internal design houses. And I got into the room and I froze. Or they asked me questions and I started to spin because I didn't feel like I fit. Not because I wasn't confident in my skill set as a leader, but because I wasn't confident in where I fit in a design organization. And in that interview, which was the worst interview of my life, and the guy that hired me actually told me that it was a horrible interview. Luckily, I had interviews with the team and with other business partners, but we both agreed it was a bad, bad interview. That all came down to feeling like I didn't stack up to the people in the room around me. And I didn't know how to tell my story of how I could be a good design leader. What that did for me is it made me define what make what made me 
work well in this space. I had already been operating in a design organization in a Fortune 100 company. I had been operating well. I wouldn't have been considered for this job if I wasn't operating well in that space. And so I should have had some level of confidence, but I didn't know how to articulate that. Going through this process of having a horrible interview, not knowing how I stacked up against those people made me really think about, okay, how can I communicate who I am as a design leader, what I bring to the table? And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's my imposter syndrome story and one that didn't happen too long ago. Yeah, it's fascinating because little known fact, Jeremy was once my boss for a number of years and he's a good boss. I, I know I just said something wow. kind to you, Jeremy, Ooh, and I just said it in a very public blow. forum. So <laughs> I know it's it's a totally different paradigm, but even the best people deal with imposter syndrome. I know I have a story. I shared a little bit of it on LinkedIn. I'd like to share it a little bit more in depth here. But yeah, I, like you, never thought I would be a designer, let alone a design leader in a Fortune 100 company or the head of a design uh, at a at a medium-sized company. Like that's just not something that was ever in the realm of possibility for me. I went to school, went to college thinking I was going to be a journalist. I'd been a writer my whole life. I thought I wanted to be a novelist. Uh, journalism seemed like the really only paying option for a career coming out of college and I really wanted to make money. Around my junior year, I started to come to the realization that I probably wasn't good enough at journalism to make much money, not that journalists make much money to begin with. I know I sound like I'm I'm a money grubber here, like that's all I'm looking for, but uh, you know, I I got married very young. I had to, you know, I had to support um had to support people other than myself, so I, I needed I, I needed some money. Anyway, so that got me into this major that combined graphic design and computer science and communication. Luckily, I'd already taken the communication courses through my journalism career, and I was dreading graphic design. That sounded like torture to me. I thought, okay, I can probably handle computer science. I have a pretty analytical mind, but man, graphic design is going to kill me. And I survived. I can't say that I thrived at graphic design. But I did learn to love it. I did learn to love the craft of design. And so coming out of college, I started at an organization that I respected and I wanted to work for. But honestly, I didn't have enough design experience to even start out as a junior level designer. So I started out as an administrative assistant. I started out trying to get my foot in the door in this organization and to learn from others who were doing things I wanted to do within that organization and to grow. One day, I finally got a chance to actually prove myself. I had done some designs that I was proud of and a creative director that I really respected walked by my desk, asked me a couple of questions and then looked me in the eye and said, you're not passing yourself off as a designer, are you? Man, I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. Now, close to 20 years later, I look back on that and I think, what a jerk. Oh, who, who goes to some aspiring designer and says something like that? 
But when you're a young, insecure designer, a comment like that from an accomplished leader can crush you. And if I'm completely honest, in my moments of insecurity, even today, my mind goes back to that moment and makes me question, am I really a designer? Am I really a design leader? It has a lasting impact. All that to say, we all deal with these types of insecurity. Such an incredible story. I know you've shared that with me. Uh, we actually both knew the person that you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, and, and, and it's funny to look back on how far we've come in our careers since then. But that it, it's amazing how those moments in life can stick with you throughout a career. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't listen to him. I, I'm, I'm glad that that is something that motivated you and didn't break you down because for some people that could break them down. Yeah, especially young designers who who don't know a ton about how how the workplace works. Yeah. So those are our stories about uh, how we have struggled with imposter syndrome. We thought it was important to reach out to our audience and see if anybody out there would be willing to share their imposter syndrome stories. And we got a pretty good response. What we'd like yeah. to do is play you some of those clips of our listeners talking about their imposter syndrome stories. And then we'll come back and we'll recap and maybe share some tactics and thoughts around how to deal with imposter syndrome. And I love that you said listeners, because we know it's not just Tobin anymore. (laughs) And so I'm really excited (laughs) for these stories. Yes, definitely. So let's go ahead and roll tape. Hello, Making Digital. My name is JJ Melendez. I'm a designer interested in helping people reimagine their reality using design thinking and design principles. So early in my career, I had hung my head on being um, an illustrator and I really wanted to break into the UX world. There was this amazing agency in South Texas and um, I had accepted a position as a paid intern. It's my first day, my first project. I got my Wacom tablet. I'm trying to take art direction for the first time. Uh, I'm supposed to be making this packaging for uh, sweet bell peppers that are gonna sit in Kroger shelves. I'm very excited about it, wanting to make a good first impression. Um, I'm there for about three or four hours, and in comes the CEO, and you know he walks over, he peeks over my shoulder to my MacBook, my 14-inch MacBook Pro, and he he asks very unironically, "Damn, Jay, is that clip art?" And you know what? What he was really he knew what he was asking. What, what he really wanted to ask was hey, there's certain aspects of this illustration that are looking kind of generic. <laughs> what can we do to make it look more authentic? Um, but, you know, it, 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 a statement like that, if, you're, if you don't know what people or how people communicate or what they're trying to do, it can shake your very core as a creative person. Uh, that's my imposter syndrome story. Thanks. My name is Tony, and imposter syndrome for me takes the shape of an insecurity with my accent. My uh, first language is Spanish, so when I'm presenting or in an important conversation, I always have this 
thought in my head that I don't feel that I don't sound as smart um, or intelligent as others because of the accent or because I don't I may not know the fancy word for something in English and I just keep thinking oh if they could only hear me speak Spanish they would see how smart I can be um, so this this constant insecurity and trying to make up by working harder or doing more because of my accent my name is Sebastian I'm 28 years old I'm currently a sophomore student at Wesleyan University in Middletown Connecticut and before that, I was in the Navy working in special operations as an aviation rescue swimmer and helicopter door gunner for about six and a half years. While my experience in the military was relatively a good one, there was a constant reminder of being less than with the division between enlisted and officers. Officers, of course, being military service members with college degrees and enlisted um, being service members without college degrees for the most part. I knew immediately that I wanted to get out and pursue higher education, uh, and that's what I did. However, upon reaching an institution like Wesleyan, where, you know, even my relatively competitive scores coming out of high school would have not necessarily allowed me an entrance into this university, uh, it was a struggle to realize that I did fit in, that I was able to do the work, especially being rusty and having not done any type of academic work for over 10 years and so it's a it's a daily uh, reminder that you know we we do fit in on these institutions that we can be there uh, but it's a hurdle that not just uh, I have gone through but a lot of other vets experience in uh, higher education whether that's college or pursuing some type of higher calling whether it's grad school or, or as they progress in their career and separate their identities outside of the military. Thank you, Making Digital, for doing an episode on imposter syndrome. I think for 40 plus years, I've been thinking I'm the only one that suffers from imposter syndrome. I, I have a background in design. I've always been a designer. I, I've been around designers and talented people all my life. And um, I put a lot of pressure on myself for trying to either compare myself to them, thinking that I am not at their level, or even thinking that I'm not bringing enough value. And, and, and that holds me back. It holds me back from speaking um, out loud, for, uh, from, from saying, uh, no, this is a good idea, this is a bad idea, for, from me being able to speak up speak my mind and let people know that what I'm saying comes from experience, comes from awareness of what I've lived within design and even from life itself. For those that do know me, I have a strong personality, so it's kind of contra contradicting to who I am as an individual. The next topic that kind of causes issues for me as an individual is not really being able to assess my capabilities or, or lacking that sensitivity of not being able to identify that what I've lived, what I've experienced is different than what my colleagues or anybody else has lived or experienced. Uh, thank you guys. You have a good one. Bye-bye. Wow. Those were some great stories. And beyond the stories being amazing, I'm so excited to have participation from our audience on the show. And I look forward to much, much more of that. Yes, I'm super excited about that too. 
it just goes to show that at some level or another, all of us are imposters. It's really what we do in response to the imposter syndrome that makes all the difference in our lives and in our career. One of those things that that we do and that I found over the years is that we want to lead with our strengths and delegate or partner your weaknesses. And this was a huge one to me coming out of that role that I talked about earlier and starting in this design organization with all of these people who had more experience than me is I, I was very confident in my strengths of being able to organize the team and being able to build partnerships. But where I felt like I was lacking was the, the detailed design craft. At that point in my career, I and with that team, I started to ask the team members who were strong in that space to help lead in that. Mm. And so I took my strengths and I ran with them, but I asked for help in leading in the areas where I wasn't as strong. And like one big lesson that I came out of that was I think anyone can lead any team with the right people. And I've joked with Jared about doing an episode about the show Ted Lasso. If you haven't watched it, you should. Maybe we'll do that episode in the future. But I really do believe that you can lead any team with the right people beside you. I also believe you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person about everything on your team. A design leader doesn't need to be and probably shouldn't be the best designer on their team. I think you should hire people that are better than you and, and people that you trust to take leadership of those spaces. That's a really important point. It is illogical to think that you can be an expert or good at everything, even in one specific field, like the design field, even within user experience design. It is impossible. And the more mature you become as a designer, the more and more you recognize what you don't know and what you don't understand. And so as a design leader, I recognize that not all designers or design leaders are the same. Jeremy and I are both design leaders. We are very different. We have different strengths. Mm -hmm. We have different styles. We have different team mixtures that work for us. The most effective and cohesive design team takes into account the strengths and weaknesses of its leader and its, and its members and, and covers all of the bases where there, where there are weaknesses or where there are strengths. One of, you, one of the pieces of this that makes it so difficult in modern day though, is social media. Social media is your enemy when you are talking about taking a realistic look at your strengths and weaknesses. I said this in the last episode, we have a tendency to look at this very thin slice of people's experience that they put online in social media, and we compare our entire selves to that small slice. That is not, that's not a healthy professional behavior, but LinkedIn is definitely rife with it. People share their success stories there. They, oh, don't, yeah. they don't often share their weakness stories. So as you 
browse through something like LinkedIn or any social media site, keep that in mind. You have to realize that everybody has things they don't know and things they struggle with professionally. Even people you hear on podcasts uh, or at conferences are presenting the best version of themselves. Uh, obviously, you know, ourselves included, we're, we're trying to be more real with you and, and tell you the good and the bad. Um, but that's, that's a hard thing to tell you all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, but even some of our design and leadership heroes, uh, we've heard stories about how they present themselves in podcasts and on stage and then how they really are as design leaders. And so don't let those success stories make you feel like you are less in any way at all. No. You're only seeing a slice of that person's life and you shouldn't compare yourself your entire life to that slice. Yeah. And it's not wrong or bad that these designers or design leaders portray the good parts about themselves. Everyone does that. It's just, it's just the medium that you're on. You just have to realize that it's not a full connection to real life. Another one of the, the things that I use to combat my imposter syndrome is when I am thinking about the areas I want to grow in, there's millions of choices. There are a lot of things I know I'm not great at. I force myself to grow in one or two very intentional areas at a time. By focusing on those areas, then I actually make progress and I become a better designer rather than letting the, the wealth of inexperience that I have overwhelm me. Yeah, that's such a great point, not only for individuals, but for teams that are trying to get better. Whenever we look at a team that's really good or an individual that's really good, our immediate gut reaction is to go, I want to be like them. I want to jump to the end state. Mm. But that end state took that person or that team years to get to. It took them more. They had to start with a little step. They had to start with learning something, experiencing something to get to that point. And so that's another lens that we look through is when we want to grow, we want to grow fast so that we're like them. But that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. We can learn from other people, but it's an incremental process. And I love that you said one or two things. That's very hard for me. I'll have five books that I'm reading at one time. And I've, I've tried to break that habit and bring it down to just one book on one subject at a time, because I feel the pressure to know all of these things, but I'm not learning anything by trying to do all five at one time. It's not an effective way to learn. Then the question becomes, which one do you pick? How, how do you make that decision? And in my mind, for me, I take a deep look at what is the thing that I'm most passionate about right now that will reasonably help me in my path. And I pursue that with gusto. I have to let the other things go. I have to realize I'm probably never going to be a great marketing designer. Even though that would at times be a helpful skill for me, most of the time that's not, that's not the most helpful skill. And I know I'm not great at it. It's just not my forte. So I have to let that go and focus on the things I am passionate about and I am good at. In the same way, strong visual design or designing 
to communicate large chunks of information is something that I want to be great at. I want to be good at because it would be very useful, but there's so many people that are better at it than me. And going back to that point of um, leading with your strengths and delegating your weaknesses, it might not be worth the time for me to go and learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. I can recognize that it's needed and I can hire someone to do that. But I don't necessarily have to do that, which leads to our next point, which is hiring so that you don't add to imposter syndrome. Did you see that? Did you see the um, LinkedIn post from Stephen Gates this week about that? Yeah, about unicorns. Yeah. It's a a term we hear too often, which I think adds to this subject. There's a quote. This is the direct quote from, from his LinkedIn post. I don't believe in unicorns. We have to stop thinking creatives need to know everything. It only helps companies by reducing cost and headcount while hurting people by producing unrealistic expectations and job descriptions that can cause more imposter syndrome than anything else. Man, that was a timely post from somebody that, uh, you know, we, we, we've listened to his podcast for, for years and share episodes back and forth. It's timely not only because of us recording an episode on imposter syndrome, but we're both hiring. Mm-hmm. And I... I I'm going back now and looking at some job descriptions that I put put out where I was looking at trying to, you know, find someone who wasn't so tied into a specific skill set. But also I was kind of putting some unicorn job descriptions out there. And I mean, I have at times in my career considered myself to be a unicorn, right? Because and I thought that's the direction oh, yeah. I needed to go in order to be successful. I thought I needed to know how to code. I thought I needed to know how to make, you know, a super glitzy marketing website. I thought I needed to know human centered design and design research and service design. And I needed to know all of the things in order to have any level of success. It's not true. But from the hiring perspective, when I'm looking at the amount of positions that I have to fill and the amount of work that I have to get done, it is tempting to go on a unicorn hunt and find that person who could fill any niche that I need, but it's not healthy yeah, and it's not the right approach. So those are some of the thoughts and experiences that we have had around imposter syndrome and some of the tactics that we use to combat it on a day-to-day basis, but we still struggle with it every day. It It's Absolutely. a part of our professional lives that probably makes us stronger if we're honest and probably keeps us humble in a good way. As we wrap this up and as we're growing the content that we want to put into our podcast, uh, we want to introduce you to a couple of new formats that we want to add into the repertoire of what we are doing in this podcast. And so first of all, we have this idea of a short format podcast that could be one or both of us talking about a subject that's on our mind. Jared did a great one last week on does digital really benefit us, where he thought through what life was like without access to the internet when we were snowed in last week. And I'm excited for that one because it's something that we can address subjects very quickly on and uh, and, and speak to you about those. And another one that I'm extremely excited about is we want to bring people onto the podcast. We don't want it to just be our voice. When we're talking about making digital products, there's so many other voices out there. 
And we want to bring those voices, your voices, onto the show. And so we're going to introduce a series called Digital Makers, where we bring people onto the, the show and we interview them about the things that they do. And we want to do that in a, in a diverse way. There are a lot of digital products that aren't just the types of digital products that we make that we would love to hear and bring to the audience how they do it and how their brain works around it. And I'm extremely excited to, to go down that path. Yeah. So if you have experience in this field that you think would be a relevant story to share on this podcast, please reach out to us at makingdigitalpodcast.com. That, my friends, though, is our episode for today. My name is Jared Stevens. And I'm Jeremy Carney. Generally, when I say my name, that's your cue to say your name. I did say my name. Yeah, after like 15 seconds. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. All right. My name is Jared Stevens. And I am Jeremy Carney. And together we are Making Digital. Making Digital. You did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. The views and ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent those of any previous, present, or future employers. Or spouses. Or family. Peace out. <laughs>